Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Kristen LaBianca, and I'm here with Lane Fargo. Hello. And Wendy Hurd. Hello. So we can all agree that we are like living in an utter hellscape, but let's take this (laughs) wonderful opportunity of being together to talk about a positive thing that has happened recently. Lane, you want to kick that off? Sure. So my positive thing is that last week at the time that we're recording this, I went on a solo writing retreat at a bed and breakfast here in Chicago. So it's a little staycation where I did not have to see or speak to my partner for two days. (laughs) (laughs) That's magical. It was magical. Um, This place was so cute. It's called the Publishing House Bed and Breakfast. Uh, It's in the West Loop neighborhood of Chicago, which if people aren't familiar, it's like where all the fancy restaurants and stuff are. Um, And it was just lovely. It's like kind of literary themed, like all the rooms are named after authors and there are books in every room. It was just like blissful. They had a clawfoot tub and a steam shower and this like giant comfy bed and the best part of this entire experience the owner has two pet pugs who befriend everyone who stays there was the best that's amazing (laughs) i basically want to live there now it's like a little hard for me to leave if i'm being honest and i got a lot of work done it was yeah best best decision ever just to like take a little break in the middle of all of this what about y'all well i had my um release party for my new book once you go this far not too long ago and I did it on Crowdcast with author Mindy Mejia who's been on the podcast before and it was it was lovely we also were joined by Allison Ryan who's an audiobook narrator who's actually worked on both Mindy's and my books oh cool so that was kind of a fun connection and we just talked about like audiobook publishing and how all that works and then uh, Allison performed the first chapter of the new book, which was like so cool for me to hear it being read in a theatric way, I guess. Like, because usually when I do events, I, I'll do a reading from the first chapter and like, I feel like I'm okay at, at it, but like, this was amazing. It was so cool. And was- we had... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that was just a really fun event. It was one of my favorite virtual events that I've been to during this. Yeah. Well, I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that. It was, it was really fun. And it was like, I, I wanted, I didn't want it to be like, this is another two people talking on zoom kind of thing. So Uh like, um, I was really excited to have the two guests and it was just a lot of fun. We had like almost a hundred people who had signed into it and it was really nice. And I felt very special. Her voice sounds just like how I imagine. Yes. She's so good. Yeah, she has the perfect voice for the series and she does such a good job and I'm just really happy that she was willing to participate. So that was super fun. Wendy, how about you? So I've been, I was on a, I was on a, like a real social media hiatus. Like I did not do social media for two weeks and because I've been writing two different books at the same time. I'm doing this thing. I'm trying to be in first draft for both projects at once instead of going through one and then the other. And it's working really well, but I was like, I need some more bandwidth, you know, and everything's mm-hmm. so crazy. So um, it was really nice. And during that time, I got into the habit where my mom and I have been meeting every Sunday at 630 um, at a hiking trail, but like a hiking trail that we normally don't go to because too much traffic, it's a little farther or gets really crowded. So we've been going earlier in the morning and we've been getting like a nice like two or three hour hike in every, mor- every weekend. 
And uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm really out of the loop now because of social media. I haven't been seeing what's going on. And even, but I went back like from my hiatus and I realized, yeah, I don't like it that much. <laughs> like I feel way <laughs> better without it. Like I felt yeah. so much more peace. I don't know what's going on. I keep missing like virtual events and stuff, but my day job has me on seven hours of Zooms a day sometimes. Like I'm not really, I can't go to virtual events that much right now. Like it's been too, it's too many screens. Like I can't be on Zoom that much. So um, I'm like, do I really care about being out of the loop right now? I mean, I don't have a release this moment. I can still go on and like promote other people's books when things are coming out. But like, it's been nice. That's interesting that you say that. I that is that is how I too feel about social media, and I kind of try to just not be on it much in general for mental health purposes, and also just being productive. But it's like there's like this specific social media phenomenon where like something happens, and like maybe you missed it, and you just like you kind of see the tail end of it, and there's this moment where you kind of go like, I wonder what that is. Should I look it up? And then you just decide like, no, I'm just not going to look yeah. it up. And then it just passes out of your consciousness and it's gone. Like, wait, it's- you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are blowing my mind right now. <laughs> it's just like it's like it's such a weird. There, there should be a name for that feeling of like you're like aware of something, you don't know what it means, and you like make the conscious choice to like let it let it go into the scrap heap of history which you know in social media world is like two days later like the latest scandal or whatever like the latest yeah. scandal or the latest yeah. publishing drama or whatever and you can just be like well exactly i don't really need to know all the cheese may but yeah. do we how what how will we know which men to be mad at do we just have to be <laughs> mad, at, be all mad at all of them it's okay. fine <laughs> That sounds fine. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it is true at this point, you know, every time something comes out, you're like, I don't need to know all of them. I already assume all of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Easier to keep track of the men who are not garbage because it's a much, it much is. shorter It's a much list. shorter list. There's like four people on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to try that. I am uh, more attached to social media than ever, I feel, during the pandemic because it feels like. It's like where we're getting our news about how the world is on fire, but it doesn't really help. It's the doom scrolling, right? That's what they're calling it now. Feeling anxious and like making the choice to like follow your anxious, obsessive thoughts. It feels like you're doing something, but you're Mm -hmm. not. You're just you're just wearing yourself out emotionally. Like worrying is not problem solving. (laughs) Like social media is not helping anything. Make some bold statements today, ladies. Uh, (laughs) these are things i need to hear so i thank you (laughs) well listen i had to break up with my therapist right before the pandemic because she told me i was overreacting about it so i had to become my own therapist (laughs) well we're here today to talk about speaking of women who are unlikable uh, (laughs) as we always are other women Yes, the other woman. That is our topic today. So mistresses. And I don't know, I feel like this could have a couple different meetings, but that's usually what we think of are like mistresses. One thing that I think we should talk about immediately is how like, so when you say the other woman, everyone knows exactly the type of person you're talking about. There is no expression for the other man. Mm -hmm. Mm. There's just not like, he's just like a man. (laughs) That is but, a good point. But, in Spanish, you hear Sancho a lot. Like, you say that. Like, it's a very commonly used word. And I don't I hear as much. Like, there's not, like, a word in English that's, like, such a good equivalent. 
Interesting. The Mister. Yeah. I don't know. Do we say side piece about men? Do we say that? Oh, really? <laughs> no, we don't. We say pool no. boy. Yeah, but that's sort of like that. That still like puts the responsibility on. Yeah. The the woman here, like the the pool boy, is innocent. The other woman is devious. Mm-hmm. The pool boy is younger, and the cougar is is like he can't help it. I mean, he's, he's right. He's, the penis must go where it is called. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is, like, I'm sure we're going to talk about this from a couple different angles, but, I mean, the whole issue of the other woman, like, blaming the woman in a relationship that involves infidelity when, like, we're talking about, I mean, sometimes both parties are married, but typically we're talking about a man who is married having an affair outside of his marriage, and, like, he's the one who's lying and breaking vows and being a dick, but we blame the other woman. Right. Yeah, and we and we don't have so we don't have a, an expression for the other man in the case of like a woman having an affair, but we also don't have a term for that lying, cheating husband. He's just the husband, mm-hmm. just a dick. Yeah, he's just a dick. I guess yeah. we'll call it. We'll say cheater. Yeah, or that's like gender neutral. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about this one because. Um, my dad had an affair with his 25 year old secretary when I was a kid, Mm. you know, real cliche shit. And, (laughs) um, (laughs) I think like, I don't know. I certainly blamed him primarily. Like I, but I'm sure that I blamed her as well, you know, cause I was like 12 or something. So I didn't understand. She was like this devious lady who Mm -hmm. was like stealing my father away. Right. Um, now I'm like, you can keep him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although she dumped him a few years later, so, uh, Mm. (laughs) you know. But it's funny because, like, as I got closer to her age, like, 25 is so young. Like, I can't, I don't know. I mean. Like, you're not a person yet. Like, you're not a person (laughs) until you're at least 27. Like, I firmly believe that. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I've kind of had a lot of, like. Uh, some like an archetype that I've thought about from a very young age because of that situation in in my life and now as an older person I like a hundred percent blame my dad like it was completely his fault and he's an asshole and if we could come up with a term for men like that like <laughs> I would <laughs> apply it to him he also um would he tried to argue that it was okay that he was having this affair because it was God's plan for him to be with her what it was god's plan you guys like what could he do (laughs) (laughs) well there's stuff in the bible you know i mean there's like a lot of religious pieces to this too Mm -hmm. and communities all over the world you know about like you know it's it's a thing it's a thing what that you like have to keep the man satisfied or he'll look elsewhere correct or yeah and you know sometimes it's just it's like there's an inevitability too and a shame on the woman where she just gets too old you know what i mean and like right at some point i mean yeah at the age of 38 as we learned from oh from aj finn thank you yes Yes. her (laughs) that's the moment when you turn decrepit and her rippling cellulite and (laughs) veins the day before your 38th birthday is your last fuckable day day. i remember that (laughs) <laughs> you remember that day? <laughs> I remember that. I remember my last fuckable day. <laughs> uh, it's coming up our, for you, ladies. Mm-hmm. Up soon. <laughs> enjoy it. For enjoy your fuckability right now. <laughs> no, I don't want it. 
want to be left alone thank you very I much do. like i'm like looking forward to my last fuckable day honestly like it sounds great it sounds very peaceful just i keep um some growing out my gray hair i keep making jokes about like wanting to be a crone and i had someone on instagram was like oh you'll never be a crone like you're beautiful and i'm like no i want to be a crone like this is my goal in life like please don't it's <laughs> all i want it does it does sound quite liberating to just embrace it and embrace the darkness yes yes all right so what are some examples of the other woman that we should talk about well one thing i wanted to mention especially right now because there was this um review written by Lori moore that came out recently um did either of you follow that the Mm -hmm. whole so Lori moore is a uh, sort of mainstream literary fiction author primarily short stories um from the 90s and she wrote a review of the book and the tv show normal people uh, which i haven't read or watched so i can only come at this from the point of view of loving laurie moore as one of the writers that made me want to become a writer um so she published that this week and it was like basically a a savage takedown of millennials in general um (laughs) and i'm not 100 percent sure that it wasn't satire it was like far too smart for me to understand uh because she's really brilliant but i bring that up because laurie moore has a short story in the first collection that she wrote and it's called how to be an other woman oh nice and this it's in the book self-help and it's a a whole collection written in second person because like that's that's who laurie moore is she just doesn't care and it is like it is so interesting because it's from the point of view of the mistress and it's actually like thoughts about being a mistress which i feel like gives a, an agency to that person that like we usually see the other woman as the villain of someone else's story mm-hmm. but this story is her story and it's like specifically about the affair that she's having and her thoughts about it um and it's really really lovely and i would like to read a short passage to you yeah um When you were six, you thought mistress meant to put your shoes on the wrong feet. Now you are older and know it can mean many things, but essentially it means to put your shoes on the wrong feet. You walk differently. In store windows, you don't recognize yourself. You are another woman, some crazy interior display lady in glasses stumbling frantic and preoccupied through the mannequins. In public restrooms, you sit dangerously flat against the toilet seat, a strange flesh sundae of despair and exhilaration murmuring into your blueing thighs hello i'm charlene i'm a mistress and so um this is something that i have loved this collection since i was like 13 years old so (laughs) i feel like that says a lot about um like the types of stories that i always like to read but i think it's just such an interesting take on it because in the in this version of the story the other woman is not blamed at all she's Mm -hmm. like she she blames herself somewhat but it's more like it's it's more a story about what happens and how she feels it's not the blame is not the point i guess and so i think Mm -hmm. it's an interesting counterpoint to a lot of what we see in this archetype yeah that's really cool i've never read anything by her i need to rectify that yeah she's she's pretty amazing um this whole review thing with normal people that came out this week like 
<laughs> it was like a it was very weird to see like oh no there's a Lori moore scandal on twitter now like what's happening people were very upset but again i'm not totally sure that it wasn't satire um it's sort of hard to say interesting she, yeah she has she has always had a very like acerbic and direct arch way of looking at the world which i think is really interesting See, I'm on Twitter all the time and I miss the scandal. So even if you're on there every day, you can't possibly <laughs> keep up with all the drama. You can't, you can't catch all the scandals no matter what you do. No. <laughs> you have a full-time job and then some. <laughs> well, an example that I thought would be interesting to discuss is the musical Hamilton, which mm. is now streaming. Have either of you watched it? Yes. Yeah. So um, it's... I just watched it with, I had seen the show when it was in Chicago. Um, I listened to the cast recording like a million times. And then I watched the filmed version with some friends the other night. Um, and I just kept thinking that like all of these women that Hamilton is involved in are like all too good for him. Like oh, all yeah. of them. <laughs> That's what I was sitting there. Because there's obviously, so he's married um, to Eliza and then he has uh, an affair with a woman named Mariah Reynolds. And there's, it's sort of his like political ruination. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he also has an emotional affair, I would say, with Eliza's sister, Angelica, like throughout mm -hmm. his entire life. They're writing these like kind of sexy letters to each other. Um, so both Angelica and Mariah are like presented as the other woman, sort of. Mariah is presented as this like temptress. She's like all in red with red lipstick. She's yeah. like super hot and sultry and like yeah, what she has the sultry do? alto voice that she she sings in. Like she's very seductive and yeah. Even the the lyrics in the song, like you know he was helpless he what could he what could he possibly do to avoid this beautiful temptress before him yeah the lyrics are all like like how do i say no to this and it's like you yeah say no and don't fuck her like what <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> i think angelica is presented in a really interesting way because she's like a very sympathetic character like we love angelica she's my favorite i would say um but they are absolutely having an emotional affair like yeah the entire time that he's married to her sister like she actually meets him first and has feelings for him too but kind of steps aside for her sister but they just carry on this it's like presented as not so much an affair but this like meeting of the minds like they're sort right. of soulmates intellectually yeah exactly um, yeah where with mariah it's like all all physical and he just couldn't help himself but yeah i was mm. watching it i'm just like all of you are too good for him like every <laughs> single one of you <laughs> <laughs> i love that musical but like the character of hamilton in that musical he is a dumbass <laughs> he just does like <laughs> stupid things over and over like i <laughs> so smack him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes um i definitely agree that like angelica is presented as very sympathetic uh, and like a a stronger, more distinct personality than Eliza, mm -hmm. um, and we don't really see much personality at all of Mariah other than sultry singing, red dress, and walking like around in a him. circle. Yeah, um, like, good. Get his money. Like, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> she's she's a hero. Um, yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. one of the best moments in the show, though, is like after he has the affair and everyone's finding out about it and Angelica comes back and he's like, oh, thank God you're here. And she's like, I'm not here for you. I'm here for yeah. my sister. Like, fuck off, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, her loyalty is like, even though she has feelings for him and they have this emotional affair, like her 
primary loyalty is always to her sister, like no matter what, which makes right. her kind of an interesting yeah. other woman. Well, and I, I guess one thing that I like about the whole dynamic too is like Hamilton does have to s- suffer the consequences of his shittiness in this case. Well, not yes. all men do, but his, his political aspirations are effectively over after that, after the whole affair comes out. I mean, well, after he, he like brings tells it out. everyone like an yeah. idiot. <laughs> he, he is an idiot. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of the musical when Burr and Jefferson are just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> that whole sequence. Yeah, the, the, the Reynolds pamphlet side. is uh, like an amazing section of the show. I mean, the whole show is amazing. Yeah. But yeah. That's Love. true. He's, he suffers consequences and it like very much establishes that this is all of his own making. Like the affair yes. is his fault. The Reynolds pamphlet pamphlet is his fault. Like he fucked up multiple times. And right. He just kept kind of like digging himself in. Like we're not, even though Mariah Reynolds is presented as this temptress and like isn't a very complex character. I don't get the sense that we're supposed to blame her so much. Like the musical really presents it as, as his fault. Right. His yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I'm kind of fascinated with mistresses that are psychos, like the psycho mistress, like the fatal attraction mistress, yes. or that movie Obsessed, or also I would argue Alex from Orange is the New Black. Yeah, she can go lean that way a little bit, yeah. I find this idea fascinating that you have a man who falls into the clutches. Anytime you have a man who falls into the clutches, I'm sort of like, interesting. So you have a grown man who's usually in a powerful position, like... He's a lawyer, right? Like he's he's a businessman. And the, mm-hmm. that means he's real smart. And then like, you know, he's got a wife. His wife is nice. You know, she's a nice person. She didn't do anything wrong. But then he falls into the clutches. And here comes Psycho Bitch who just like, it's almost like the witch archetype. Where it's like she casts like a spell on him. And mm-hmm. then when he as the nice guy who could not help but to just do her, but he didn't mean anything by it, and now he's going to go back to his wife, right? Because his wife is nice and pretty um, and young. Then the psycho bitch is going to do her thing. She's going she's gonna to boil rabbits. She's going <laughs> to stalk him, and now it's a thriller. You know what I'm right. saying? Uh-huh. And this idea that we have that this is like a thing, like that – she has the power to ruin everything for him. She's going to ru- burn his whole world down. He just made one mistake with his penis. Like just one. one <laughs> tiny mistake. And now he's like, he's the hero of the story because she's he's the, the main psycho. character. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I find that so interesting because it's like, in no way is he um, like really responsible. Like we feel bad for him. Like, we feel like, God, you know, yeah, I mean, it was fun for a second. You see how we got into this, you know? I don't feel bad for him. I, the audience, I think that's the... the uh, no, I think we're tape. supposed yeah. to, but I'm... Maybe it's because of my, like, personal <laughs> my personal experience with this. I'm just like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve to have your life burned down. I'm just vindictive well, about it. But no, you're totally right. Like, from a narrative perspective, we're supposed to sympathize with this man who made the one tiny penis mistake. <laughs> The penis just goes where it is called. It cannot, it just cannot, it cannot um, be held responsible for what pulls it. <laughs> Have you, either of you read um, The Arrangement by Robin Harding? Mm-mm. No. So this is a thriller. I think it came out last year and it is about a young woman who is a sugar baby. Okay. 
And it's interesting because it kind of plays with this this uh, psycho bitch aspect of, of the other woman because it starts out like she's in this transactional relationship to pay for art school and then she starts kind of falling for the guy and becomes like clingy and everything and then um, tragedy occurs. I don't want to like spoil anything, but there's, <laughs> um, you know, shit, shit gets really bad and you're kind of questioning like, is she a psycho? Did she like hurt someone? Did mm-hmm. she? And she's kind of questioning this about herself too. Like she, she's presented as a sympathetic character, I would say, like someone who makes a lot of mistakes, but she is the protagonist and we're supposed to care what happens to her and I mean I totally did because she's she's young like she kind of got in over her head like I'm definitely on her side as I'm reading this but one of the most interesting aspects to me of this book was again no spoilers but his wife is a character in the book and she is like remarkably kind of understanding towards the mistress uh Mm. I don't I, I can't really explain fully without spoiling how the book ends but I was like impressed with how it was handled it was like very nuanced that his wife kind of understood what had been going on and wasn't like this whore stole my husband. Like she <laughs> had a little more uh, nuance and compassion for this young woman. So is it like compassion because she understands that her husband is a dick or is it just sort of like she under she, she is understanding of the husband's actions. Um, She's more understanding of like the young woman and how she, got involved in this and that like her life shouldn't be ruined by this like youthful mistake. So it's kind of an interesting take on it. And yeah, Refreshing. like also because the husband was a dick, not so much sympathy for the husband, but for the, okay, for got the it. mistress. I like yeah. it. It's a really fun book. It's like one of those perfect beach reads that you can just like flip through in an afternoon. I, I loved it. I just ordered it while we were talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to fantastic. get on that. That sounds ex- nice. like exactly what I need right now. I need it a is new like audiobook. delightfully trashy. That's my, and I say that as a complete compliment. I love a like trashy thriller. That's my <laughs> favorite thing. And it is the perfect example. Yeah, I think um, apart from the man's, uh, you know, the lack of responsibility given to the man in these situations, that's obviously maddening for, for us female writers and readers and listeners and everything. I think it's really interesting, this idea of women, um, like the motivations behind going quote unquote psycho, you know what I mean? Like there's like, I think there's an interesting like powerlessness written into these characters where there's almost an interesting nuance given to these characters. It's like, first I felt like I had you and then I felt like rebuked or like rejected by you. And then because I was powerless, the only thing I had left to do was to hurt you. And the only best way I could think of it was to hurt you was to destroy this thing you're leaving me for. So there's actually like some interesting motivation on their end. If you mm-hmm. can look at the story from their perspective, there's a lot more nuanced motivation on that end than from the male character who yes. really has nothing to him except just, I felt like fucking her. So I fucked her. And <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's not, so I'm always interested, like, but they're, the mistress is never the main character. Yeah, very rarely the, is the mistress the main character. It's like the we we see it from the man's point of view, like in the case of the boiled rabbits in Fatal Attraction, mm-hmm. or um, you know the long suffering wife's point of view, which mm-hmm. is also generally not complimentary of the mistress. 
mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's t- to just sort of put it in the perspective of the other woman is like it's somewhat of a refreshing take on it I think mm-hmm. yeah I had a couple examples where the mistress is the main character in like various okay. contexts so um, uh, Meredith on Grey's Anatomy she oh, right. is but she's not really the mistress well <laughs> <laughs> he's married she doesn't know that's she why like, know we it. have sympathy for her because she doesn't yeah. know at first but then she continues to sleep with him so I think that's interesting he's it's married, like well but she's getting know. divorced they're separated it's different I don't know why didn't you tell her okay um the book love and other impossible pursuits by Islet Waldman have either of you read that Mm-mm. no so that book the main character is she's like a mistress turned wife like it's after she has the guy has left his previous wife and married her and the book is sort of about her trying to bond with her young stepson who is like very wary of her and she's presented I think in a really sympathetic light where like she feels bad about breaking up their marriage but she really loved the guy like there's a lot of um you're seeing it from her point of view but I know when that book came out which I forget when it was was, years ago I saw reviews of it that were like I can't stand this character what a selfish bitch like people didn't necessarily like even though the book was trying to get us to empathize with her and I I did when I read it like a lot of people read it and were just like what a bitch well it's interesting the idea of like the other woman turned into the main woman you know like yeah the the woman who was the mistress and becomes the wife and now it's sort of like the tables are slightly turned and now she's in a totally different position that's that's definitely some interesting storytelling possibilities there that's also on the show uh fossey verdon i just watched that i don't know if you guys have seen that about no. bob fossey and gwen verdon it's the same like at the beginning he's married she's the other woman they get married then he like cheats on her a bunch it's like this cycle like once you become if you were the mistress and you become the wife like you can never relax because like you know he's a cheater he's gonna do it again right but my other probably my favorite thing in which the other woman she's not technically a mistress i guess but like the other woman is the main character is my best friend's wedding Mm. (laughs) because <laughs> she is devious she is she like is going in to break up their relationship like that is her plan yes and um she's like an amazing unlikable female character i mean she's really pretty yeah, awful i was pretty love good. that movie i haven't seen that movie in so long that's so you're so right though like she really like she is the the one we're supposed to be rooting for but she's pretty terrible well, there was a Twitter discussion going on a couple months ago that was about like how Jules is the real villain of mm-hmm. <laughs> my best friend's wedding. And I'm like, yeah, like, that's kind of true. Like, you can't really <laughs> argue against that. She's not likable. She is very selfish. And I'm also like, you guys are fighting over Dermot Mulroney. Right. Like, <laughs> but, like <laughs> Julia Roberts and Cameron Diaz like right. can both do better. Yes. Like just any other man. <laughs> like I don't understand. <laughs> He's just kind of an idiot too. He's like this like sports bro. Like kind of yeah. I, I don't understand what either of them sees in him, quite frankly. I think that is also a lot of these male characters. I'm just like, why are these women both wanting them or fighting over them? Like um in Gone Girl too, like Amy <laughs> right. and <laughs> Nick's having the affair with the like college girl and everything. Right. And I'm just like both of you, like, just, he's such an idiot. Like, what right. you, like, you can do so much it. better. Just don't. Yeah. But, like, that's something interesting, too. Like, that at the heart of these stories, this man with the wandering penis and also, <laughs> like, a dumb 
brain. <laughs> like <laughs> he's he's not good enough for either of these people, and yes. yet they're like sort of fighting over him. And it's like the source of such like so much dramatic tension in storytelling is from that specific jealousy. And it's like, it's so often it's just like, but why? Mm-hmm. Except in Obsessed, because Idris Elba, I mean. <laughs> That's like, fair. Okay. Yeah. Okay, fair. We can all fight over him. He's worth <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> but like Ben Affleck, not worth it. No. Dermot Mulroney, no. No. <laughs> Patrick Dempsey, definitely not. No. Dermot. <laughs> Dermot. <laughs> the Girl on the Train is mm. a story that's all about other women in I love yes. that book. <laughs> I know everyone doesn't love that book, but I love that book. I do. I, I love, love that it. book. Every time I say I like that book, someone's like, I didn't like it. It's all the hype. I'm like, well, I I liked it. People like I to be contrary really well about things that are popular and I don't That's true. Just like That's true. Whatever. Let people like what they like. It doesn't matter. Like, also with thrillers, there's so often it's like if you can predict who the villain is then people think it's a bad thriller and i'm like not necessarily not like necessarily. i definitely predicted that one before the end but i still completely enjoyed every page of it so well yeah it's know. like it's not always a it's not always about who but like why the yeah. why is so much more interesting than who anyway or just mm-hmm. how the story is told like exactly. the, in, the, the ride the going on the ride of it like that was a book where i was just like so in for the whole ride i love the time i guess i love weird timeline things where you have like catching up in the secondary pov Mm -hmm. i loved what she did with the like fake faked you out yeah that one thing she did that was amazing and i love that main character i know she's awful i love her she's terrible and that's one where the like former wife and the mistress slash new wife kind of Mm -hmm. like join forces yeah yeah in a cool way even I though know. they're not like friends they don't have to be friends but they can join forces yes love it yeah and just the way she felt at like having her life stolen by this other woman mm-hmm. it was like and how it felt to be that like discarded person i was like yeah so well written but it really um that book you have sympathy for all of the characters mm-hmm. like the current wife the current mistress the ex-wife that like you it really makes them all full humans who are worthy of our sympathy it's not they're not just the other woman or just yeah i really like that book a lot well the mistress was kind of like in her povs she was like remembering when they were getting together when he was still married and she Mm -hmm. was doing it in a very unsympathetic way so the fact that she was able to be like yeah i remember doing this this you know this lady didn't deserve him i'm taking him from her like she was full-on like yeah Not nice and right. then you still felt sympathy for that character just because she was a whole human being like you said yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and she didn't deserve to die you know you were like okay well she was kind of a bitch but like whatever like you know she was still like i don't know that's interesting like-, like the level of blame that will kind of like another example i wanted to bring up actually was beck and you that she is I mean, she's like the other woman. She's like sleeping with her married psychiatrist. Yeah, psychiatrist. yeah. yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of, because um, you know how people want to like, including you, Wendy, want to defend Joe from you <laughs> and say, 
<laughs> I've seen you defend him. Um, oh, I and- know. I, I hate Beck so much. I'm like, whoever needs to kill Beck. I don't. I don't care if it's Joe. Whoever needs to do it. Let's just all. Let's just. Let's just. But make it why? Happen. I don't understand all of the hate for Beck. Like this is what's interesting to me because, like, yeah, she's kind of an asshole and she like sleeps with her married shrink and whatever. But like, that's the kind of thing that people have used as an argument for like she's terrible and deserves to die because she's like kind of a selfish bitch and like slept with a married man like I don't think those are like capital offenses you no, know I, I don't care about a mistake I'm like I'm all about it it's more just like I just hated her personality I hated her personality so much and the weird thing was I felt like her personality like was a stand-in for a whole culture you know what I mean like I felt mm-hmm. like the author took the douchiest parts of this culture that this character was in and like assigned them to a human being you know mm. it was it was more of like her writing stuff and her poetry readings and like her MFA douchiness and like her <laughs> self-righteousness like it was that that I hated her so much for I think she was like triggering your Jenny Schechter yeah I was just going to say Absolutely. I haven't I haven't read or watched you but it definitely sounds like a a Jenny yes. Schechter <laughs> exactly <laughs> mood <laughs> would also like to mention um, the show Mad Men, which is like, mm. I feel like there's something to talk about regarding Mad Men for just everything in this world. Yep. But uh-huh. yeah, you really so can. There are, there are many, many mistresses on Mad Men. Um, many, many for many characters. But <clears throat> I would like to shout out in the first season, Don Draper has the affair with Midge. Oh, she's the best. She's the best. And she has this line boss. where she says, I don't make plans and I don't make breakfast. And uh-huh. <laughs> I just think. Iconic. Iconic. Um, and like in so many of these depictions, like there's a wife who there's nothing wrong with her. She's perfectly nice and probably attractive and a good mom or not in the case of Betty Draper, but. Uh, a, a functioning human being but then there's like this breezy refreshing other woman who is like so different than that boring wife that you married mm-hmm. because you thought you had to settle down in a specific way and then you meet this whirlwind of a person um, <laughs> which I think is I've, I think that's a very interesting dynamic I don't know how true to life all of that is but I definitely am on team Midge that's interesting because on Mad Men, almost all of the main female characters are like someone's mistress at some point in time. Yes. <laughs> so it really is like it kind of we can't just categorize the women on that show into like these are the like good, nice wives and these are the like evil, slutty mistresses. Yeah, like it's all true. the women are play both of those roles at various times. Yep. And all the men are dirtbags constantly. They just. <laughs> so I keep thinking that like being a mistress I'm wondering if there's like a resentment for that person because it, there's a certain amount of like resentment for a woman who's uh, who's like not tied down. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's not gotten married, she's not bought into the things, she's living sort of a free willing lifestyle. Well, or like that is true could also be she's like doing what she wants the way a man does. Mhm. Like mm-hmm. she's not like she's not being an obedient example of her of her type she's not Mm -hmm. she's not settled down with the kids in the house and the kitchen appliances like she is living her life the way she wants to she is unruly and that automatically makes her like like that's one of those characteristics that automatically get you labeled as unlikable you're 
doing what you want to do, not what's expected of you. That's very true. I think that plays out in Jennifer Hillier's book, Little Secrets. So we'll be talking to Jenny Hillier in a couple weeks about her book, um, Little Secrets, and the secondary point of view, which is the mistress. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.